Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code WELCOME to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code WELCOME at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Episode 207 of the TCK Pod. Today, we're going to be breaking down the wide receiver fantasy schedules. Then tomorrow, we're going to get into our first round of official fantasy wide receiver rankings and then on thursday we're going to be getting into a zero ppr or zero ppr zero rb ppr strategy draft for our mock this week we did the quarterbacks two weeks ago running backs last week next week we'll be doing the tight ends to finish up our month-long series but before we get into the wide receivers lucas how are you feeling man? doing good i'm ready to to show everyone this week why you should be going running back running back probably running back probably running back in the first couple of rounds of your drafts uh, the wide receivers are very deep a lot of them have really good schedules and I don't want to say schedules don't matter for their wide receiver, but to an extent, if it's a hard schedule, they're going to be a negative game script, so they're going to be throwing the ball. So I think that you can – there will be a lot of RB-heavy mock drafts for me and hopefully you guys this year. And we did that RB-heavy mock draft last week, and I posted it up on IG and Twitter and got a lot of feedback from it. Most people, I think, are starting to go that direction this summer, at least early spring, and seeing how things are going to develop. And you and I have been very uh, consistent with uh, the fact that you and I believe that, frankly, there's just more value at wide receiver later in drafts. And if you pass on those top-tier running backs, you may end up with David Montgomery and David Johnson as your RB1 yeah. and 2, which would be – that would be great if, if you're looking at Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and, you know, uh, I don't know, Juju or something as your top three receivers. But if not, then you could be hurting. So I, I agree with you. But – I've been doing a bunch of mocks on my own time and going zero RB just to see what happens. And uh, I've actually been pretty thrilled with some of the, uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round running backs I've been able to Now, the last couple of weeks we've been going over the top, the best 10 schedules for the quarterbacks and running backs for the entire season. And then we've been looking at the 10 worst schedules for the season then we dive in deeper and we go into the best first four weeks now with quarterbacks and running backs and potentially tight ends next week i think that matters more so than wide receivers for me personally and you can jump in here um wide receivers for me is you draft your guys and if they blow it or they're terrible or get hurt, you just make another move. Waiver wire is usually stacked with wide receivers, especially mid to late in the season. Guys pop up, guys get opportunity from injury, whatever. 
where they don't at the wide or the running back position so much and quarterback, of course, you can stream and tight ends as well. So for me, I know that there's some, some uh, kickback on fantasy schedules in general and how important they are, how important they're not, frankly, for fantasy football. And I would kind of agree to a certain extent. However, as we talked about in the quarterback and running back issues, I do believe that there is value in looking at schedules at least because they can be kind of a tiebreaker when you look at players. You break down list. We're going to show you some players that get even a more of a nudge up your rankings or players that I've been on the fence on anyway. And now that we dig into our schedule, I'm fading them even more. Then instead of the first four weeks that we've been dealing with the, with the quarterbacks, from back, we're going to actually jump into a brief look and preview of the fantasy playoffs. Now I know that's way the hell out in the distance and you don't draft based on playoff scheduling, but I do think it's important. And I learned a lot kind of jumping ahead, looking at those schedules. So before we get into all that stuff, Lucas, how do you feel about the wide receiver position specifically with fantasy schedules and NL schedules? And how do you wager that? You put weight on what wide receiver one and two matchups. You look at current cornerbacks and safeties. How do you actually break that wide receivers versus what we've done with the quarterbacks and running backs thus far? Yeah, I think when it comes to wide receivers, or you could just say pass catchers in general, because some tight ends split out in the slot and stuff like that. I think it's more so the individual matchup. Um, I know PFF has a good like matchup database chart, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, I don't know, say Mike Evans versus last year would have been like Mark, Marshawn Lattimore or something like that. I look at that more specifically than they're playing the Saints. They're playing the Saints who allow 30 points to fantasy wide receivers. Because I think when it comes down to what I sort of realized last year, and this was like the first year I started like actually like realizing this, NFL defensive coaches are really stubborn when it comes to how they position their corners. They don't like Marshawn Lattimore, perfect example. We all know the Saints is having Lattimore, and then their other rest of their DBs are terrible. They're always signing in journeyman guys, like uh, last year was Janoris Jenkins, stuff like that. But when you see, I don't know, say Mike Evans moves into the slot, for example, you don't see Marshawn Lattimore transition into the slot with him because they're just like, I don't know, they don't move him in. Like, I don't know a single coach that does this. I think really the only one that I could think of would be like the Broncos with Chris Harris because he's primarily a slot corner. So we do see those scenarios but I think I value the matchup more because the defense is like the coaches are just really stubborn they're going to keep Marshawn Lattimore in his one spot and then Mike Evans plays say the left side 80% of the time you can kind of manipulate that a little more than just saying he's going against the Saints they allow x amount of points per game Yeah, fair enough. I, I agree with you. And I think that, again, I think the issue more so is that you're talking about shadow coverage. And shadow coverage is when a cornerback or safety follows a particular receiver, no matter where they go. And there are shadow coverage cornerbacks in the league, but that doesn't transition to every single defense. So you're right. And now Chris Harris, of course, with the Broncos last year is now with Chargers. So it's like, you know, that is a different thing. So what I appreciate about pro football focus um, and their models is that they're looking at the current situation. They've broken it down for the current situation based on their projections for this year, not based on the, um, the late, the latest trends from last year. If you get caught up in scheduling from last year's matchups, that's where it can get you in trouble because the law changes from year to year. To look at the projections 
from uh, year to year moving forward, I think that's when you have a better idea of things. So let's dive into it, man. Uh, things good on your side? For sure. Cool. Great. And I, I just want folks to know, I just want folks to know, listening in, we're having a little connection, a uh, little connection difficulty today for some reason. So uh, if, there, if there's any issues or lags, please do, uh, please do forgive us. All right, man, let's jump into this then. Let's go with the 10 best. We'll start on a good note here. The 10 best, this is according to Pro Football Focus, the 10 best wide receiver schedules going into 2020. All right, I'm going to read down the list, blanket, and who that pertains to, the wide receiver cores, and then we'll break down each one of them real quick, and then we'll look at the worst as well. All right, so the best off the bat, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans needed any more help. They do end up getting the, uh, the number one wide receiver matchups for the entire season. They have 12 top 10 matchups. The NFC South secondary, which is pretty rough in their own division, they also get Minnesota, the Giants, and Denver, which are plus matchups for them. So, obviously, Evans and Godwin would get it there. Number two, Detroit Lions. That's Galladay and Marvin Jones. They have 10 tw- uh, top 12 matchups, and uh, nothing during the playoffs. We'll get to some of those matchups, how they pertain to later in the season. Number three, Carolina. Four, the Chargers. Five and six, uh, Packers and Saints. Good for Adams and Thomas, obviously, who don't need any more help in the rankings. Pretty much the consensus one and two. Then number three. Seven, the Bears, number eight, all three receivers over there for Dallas, number nine, Minnesota, and number 10, the Pittsburgh Steelers with a hopefully younger, revitalized Big Ben Roethlisberger. So again, one to 10, Bucks, Lions, Panthers, Chargers, Packers, Saints, Bears, Cowboys, Vikings, and Pittsburgh Steelers. Of this list, Lucas, what stands out for you? Obviously, some great receivers have great schedules. That is going to give them a boost. But there's also some pretty average hit or miss receivers on here that might get a boost as well due to the schedule. Yeah, I think that, like, the names you read, obviously, like, I can see if people are going back, it's a lot of top-end guys in general. It's not a lot of, I don't know, you could say, just throwing out, like, kind of like a mediocre, like, Giants. They have, like, a mediocre, a lot of wide receiver twos range, which works for them, but, like, there's not, like, Evans, Godwin, Adams, Thomas. They're not the big names. So I think that this kind of maybe solidifies that, but there are three that kind of, give me sort of the edge on which side I like or not. So Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, and Juju Smith-Schuster are three guys that I know I'm going to be high on compared to most people. I think like I was doing my first runner rankings, which you guys will hear tomorrow. Like I have Thielen all the way up in like wide receiver seven or eight. A-Rob's close to like the 12 range. Juju's like the 10. So I think to me, it just makes it um, yet again, it's another, it's a, it's a, not a decision maker. It's a, I don't know, wherever you want. I forgot what I called it. The, the further. Indicate. Indicator. indicator yeah so like this kind of sort of just helps me because like you think juju what's his worst fear it's just the injury so if i can just play with the injury of big ben i don't have to worry about the schedule alan robinson as long as nick Foles is efficient like i think he's going to be the schedules there adam thielen as long as really the schedules there in general because he's the alpha receiver now i think it's just very promising and just kind of um secures my confidence in them but besides that like you said it was just a lot of the top end guys which to me really just shows that they're just going to dominate even more. Um, and I guess like one thing to say too, since we mentioned how running back, running back to start, I was kind of like thinking in perspective to how the draft board's going to play out. I think what we'll see, because obviously it's May right now and we're evaluating this come June or not June, like July and August, I think we'll see gaps to where you can maybe attack the wide receiver in terms of where they're falling if running backs are rising too. So kind of like, just an announcement like don't don't just sit there and think okay running back running back when it's may and come august there could be terrible adp values so i think there's 
definitely room to work with um, in terms of the sway of the ADP. I agree, and that's a great call. And you're right. When you when you have players like Evans and Godwin and Galladay and DJ Moore and uh, Adams and Thomas and Amari Cooper, you're drafting them in the first two, three rounds anyway. Um, most of those guys actually probably in the first, second rounds. Uh, but you're right. There are certain players that get that get a nudge. Also, some secondary names in that list of teams where I'm looking for value. Marvin Jones, um, you know, Robbie Anderson, potentially, who I'm starting to come around on, kind of. Mike Williams, uh, Anthony Miller, if you believe he'll stay healthy. Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Justin Jefferson, rookie, of course, for the Vikings. And then potentially Deontay Johnson as well. They all get kind of that extra boost where they're, they're all that kind of like sleeper status right now, like the eighth round, tenth round later. But I might reach around on those particular guys to make sure that I get them instead of just hope that nobody remembers that they're fucking in the league because I want to make sure that I have those, like, dart throws with upside later on uh, just in case. So, again, the schedule does not say – I don't look at this, and I think all the, the you know, the best schedules are guys are going to draft, but it definitely does kind of give the edge here and there, which I like. So, uh, some, some top names that I don't see on this list right away, Tyreek Hill, uh, Julio Jones – um, you know, some of those guys are, are players that I'm going to draft anyway, right? But they're not up here in the top echelon. But some of these guys might get a nudge if we're able to go yeah. that way. And I, I have one more too. Um, so I use the sharp football stats. So in that, that playoff stretch, the Jaguars have the second easiest pass. Um, we, I know we touched on Gardner Minshew, pass the efficiency, um, strength of schedule. But then they have the second toughest actual strength of schedule based on 2020 win totals. So to me, that indicates, like I said, game script. If they have a good – they're playing good pass defenses, but they're playing um, – or sorry, bad pass defenses, good teams, they're going to be in a huge negative game script, it just seems like to me. So that's another spot you could target Target DJ Chark, whoever the wide receiver two is going to be. I know Chenault's probably the long term, but, I mean, Chris Conley was startable some games. D.D. Westbrook's a really good PPR candidate. So that's another team that I know we touched on in the quarterback episode, but maybe DJ Chark is – kind of there's I mean we'll probably talk about in the rankings there's kind of a gap of like the second year sort of younger wide receivers in the ADP I think I find a lot of rankings in ADP of like DK Terry DJ Chark uh Gallups I think that might just maybe push Chark up higher for you cool I dig it great great point there all right man so again Bucks Lions Panthers uh Chargers and Packers Saints Bears Cowboys Vikings Pittsburgh Steelers all there. If we take a, a deeper dive on those teams, I just want to throw out a couple notes for a few of these teams. Um, again, the starting at the top. So the Buccaneers, 12 top 10 matchups. That's huge, obviously. Um, the Lions coming up next, they have 10 top 12 matchups, but that's before the fantasy playoffs, which we're going to get into in the back half of this episode. So I'll pause on them real quick. The Panthers have the number two schedule in the fantasy playoffs. They have the number three overall, the number two in the fantasy playoffs. I like that all the way through. The Chargers have the number one schedule in the fantasy playoffs, and they have the number four overall. I love that for them. And Justin Herbert, of course, coming in late. Adams and Thomas are pretty neutral no matter what. The Bears, number eight in fantasy playoffs. So I know the Bears aren't sexy, but if Lucas is right and Nick Bowles is actually efficient, A-Rob could have value for you all season long, which you got to love. And then – the uh, Cowboys and, and Vikings are kind of a wash. We know about them. And the, the Steelers, um, they have a pretty good schedule other than the Ravens and the Browns, who, of course, are in the, the division. They play twice. Other than those uh, teams, they play pretty well, and they have the ninth-best playoff schedule for fantasy receivers. So 
I like that a lot, man. Um, let's jump into the worst schedules here for the whole season, and then we'll flip on the backside, and then we'll talk playoffs overall. So let's turn uh, turn the corner a little bit here and get into the worst schedules. So this is from 32, the worst, up to 23. We'll just do the, uh, the bottom 10, if you will. So we'll start here with the Buffalo Bills. That's, of course, Diggs, Brown, and Beasley. The Cardinals with Nuke and Christian Kirk. Fits, of course, two in deeper leagues. Uh, Miami with Parker and Williams. The Jets with Crowder, Perriman, and Mims. The Bungles with A.J. Green, Boyd, Higgins, and Ross. The Patriots with Edelman and TBD. Uh, we got the Rams with Cup and we got the Rams with Cup, Woods, and Reynolds. And then we have uh, the Redskins with Terry McLaurin. The uh, Broncos with Sutton and Judy. And then the uh, Texans with all their new weapons, uh, Fuller, Cooks, and Cobb. So let's start at the, at the bottom, and we'll work our way up here with the Buffalo Bills, the worst schedule for wide receivers. Um, it's the most terrible, <laughs> I should say, when you need them. Weeks 12 to 14, they get the Chargers, the Niners, and the Steelers. I don't like that at all. We already talked about Josh Allen a little bit. How do you feel about Stephon Diggs and him being that number one there and John Brown and Cole Beasley, each getting 100 targets somehow. Uh, but them, again, probably going to be a run-first offense with Zach Moss coming in as well. Do you have any confidence in the Buffalo Bills at all, frankly, with the, knowing that the wide receivers have the worst schedule? Yeah, once they got digs, it's one of those teams where, I mean, you guys can do what you want listening to us, but, like, you should just not try and find value in the wide receiver core. Um, I, I gave, I know we did an episode in the AFC free agency recap and I gave a little like take on how I went through Diggs market share, target quality, the deep ball accuracy, and then use that to sort of, I don't want to say compare to the OBJ situation, but it kind of is the OBJ situation, a run first team, a brand new wide receiver that has, I mean, Thielen is kind of the alpha, but has been like the predominant playmaker for his team comes to a team where they already have a guy that uses his skill set and John Brown. They don't need a target hog because they have one in Cole Beasley. So where does he really fill in? Um, and since we're kind of on digs anyways, I can kind of give my sort of just like quick overlying stat that I think is just going to draw me off. And so all of his touchdowns last year were on deep balls for PFF. So 20 yards or greater from Kirk Cousins, who ranked like fifth in deep ball percentage, completion percentage. He comes over to Josh Allen, who was the league's worst starting quarterback out of like whoever played the most snaps on their team in deep ball completion percentage. So take with that what you will. Yeah, they could figure it out. But to me, a run first team that could care less about how dominant they are on offense, and they've made that known by just getting more and more defensive players, I would just stay away from the Bills' weapons anyway. I think like the only one I might be taking, well, Josh Allen, obviously, but Zach Moss is really the only skill position that I'm kind of interested in just through his ADP, but I know Diggs ADP will be high because everyone would just attach the name value. I know Brown as of now is lower, but I think Brown will eventually catch up, but you don't really want a second deep threat on a run first team. It doesn't really make any sense. Beasley maybe, but I mean, he's just a late round flyer anyway. So with the tough schedule and kind of already my thoughts on it, I'm probably just going to stay away from my teams per se, but I could definitely see, I could definitely see Josh Allen flipping some switch and figuring out with Diggs, but McDermott's not a creative playmaker really anyway, so it's going to be very cookie cutter. And I don't really like that for a big playmaker like Diggs. I'm with you. And uh, to add salt to the wound, I guess, for the Buffalo receiving core is we mentioned last week that the Bills actually have the eighth best running schedule. So for Singletary and Moss and Josh Allen, frankly, 
uh, they actually have more of an opportunity overall in real football stance to uh, run the ball more efficiently against some weaker opponents up front versus passing, which are not a pass offense anyway. So I totally agree with Lucas. I'm not too, super excited about Diggs. I think Josh Allen will be fine as a quarterback because he's his own thing with his legs, and he's had 17 rushing touchdowns over his first two seasons, even if he had five rushing touchdowns, which he's had nine and eight in his first two years, even five would, he would separate himself to a top 10 quarterback. Not so much worried about Josh Allen specifically these receivers. I am also thing we mentioned here on the podcast a lot that I think is important. We saw with Odell Beckham last year. Perfect example. I wonder about new Hopkins to bring up next first year receivers with a new quarterback, a new scheme, a new, uh, new um, system and all that stuff. I worry about it. So how quickly are they going to actually be able to get that camaraderie rolling with this funky offseason uh, if we even have one? So I agree with you. Fading Bills uh, in, in the uh, in the pass game for sure. And, again, like I said, 32nd overall fantasy ranking for wide receivers, dead last in the league. That's all season. 29, uh, let's see, 28th during the playoff run. So even, even in the playoffs, they're, they're just as bad. Uh, next up, we have the Cardinals. Um, and then the Miami Dolphins. Not worried about Miami so much. I mean, they're obviously question marks. The Jets aren't super sexy. We'll get to the Bengals, but they're more based on, like, what's Joe Burrow actually going to do? We don't know about New England because of Stidham and are they just going to run the ball 40 times a game. I want to talk about the Cardinals and then I want to talk about the Rams um, and then the Broncos and the Texans here to round out the worst schedule. So let's talk about New Hopkins, um, Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitz of, uh, as well, and uh, Kyler Murray, of course. So 31st, so second worst wide receiver schedule for fantasy um, and – you know, it eases up for them in the playoffs, which is nice. I like to see that, but not looking very good for the entire season. Again, first-year system for Nuke, but second year for Kyler and this entire offense otherwise, plus uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, Kenyon Drake's going to help out. How do we feel about these wide receivers and primarily Nuke Hopkins, who, you know, is right now a first-round pick? Yeah, I always come back to how the Cardinals shifted their offense last year. We saw – and when everyone thinks David Johnson was bad, it, okay, he was water, he was injured, a little older, but the system Top didn't. Five. Yeah, so the first I don't know how many weeks, five six weeks, they ran the strictly air raid that everyone thought they were going to be, thought they were going to do. They had they had the weapons, they had David Johnson, they had Chase Edmonds, they had somewhat of Larry Fitz playing quite a bit of snaps. They didn't have a tight end running the field at all, and then something changed. Whether it was David Johnson getting hurt. Maybe they realize they don't have the wide receiver depth to run four receiver sets every single play, and they switch to a traditional offense. And what that means is basically they just didn't run a bunch of plays. They didn't spread the field with the receivers. They didn't attack vertically, and they started using Max Williams. Um, I think that's why Kenyon Drake maybe exploded. I think I will probably touch on that uh, more as the offseason progresses along. But I think that if they switch back to this air raid, which it makes sense to why they would, they just signed Nuke. Hakeem Butler is coming back from injury. Andy Isabella, year two. They lost. They got rid of Demir Bird. I don't even know if Trent Sherfield's there. They still have Keyshawn Johnson. He'll probably be their wide receiver five. And Larry Fitz, who'll play the slot. It would make sense that they transition to the air raid. So if they transition to the air raid, I think Hopkins is, I don't want to say team switching proof, because he has to go down your rankings anyways. The market share is just not going to be there like it wasn't. He had a 30% market share last year in Houston. That's not going to happen. But if they switch this air raid, which just means a lot, a lot of plays, the defense still sucks. I think he'll still be a top five receiver. But if they do whatever they decided to do at the end of the season, I'm kind of scared for Nuke because when you think about 
what he was at Texas, the Texans. He was literally just the receiver. They would just throw him the ball. They would just mm-hmm. pepper him with targets. But he was never running seams. He was never, I don't know, like he wasn't like do- – he was dominant, but he wasn't like go up and get it a lot. He wasn't – you make a play after the catch. He was just catch it, get a first down. Catch it, get a first down. They already have that with Larry Thomas. Yeah, they already have that with Larry Fitz. Christian Kirk's their deep threat. Akeem Butler's a deep threat. Isabella's a speedster. So I'm just kind of scared to see how this is going to play out because we saw last year, even with, I mean, not even close to the wide receiver core they had last year, but they still didn't have like one receiver that would get a lot of targets. It was very spread out. So it's just kind of scary. Um, But I think the ADP is respectable for where I think people are realizing that and he's going – um, in in one QB leagues, middle round two, where he should be going, I think right around the wide receiver three or four, probably he's my five. So I think if I got him at the wide receiver five, I'll probably take him in one or two. But that being said, just like Diggs, be a little cautious with how you view um, this offense transition. We're gonna get into rankings tomorrow, so let's save like an actual conversation. But you said you have him at five. I have him at sixth. Um, who who are your four ahead of him? Um, well, this is very rough. So if you're hearing this, I don't have my rankings done yet. Just kidding. I have him at six as well. Um, I oh, you do? Okay. So I yep. have I have I have some version again. We're hashing these out, but basically, Thomas Adams, Julio, Tyreek, and I've got Kenny Galladay ahead of him. Uh, the only one I have switched is Galladay. I have Godwin there. So Godwin Galladay, I've got those two switched as well. Okay, cool. I just want to get a get a, a gauge on that. We'll talk rankings tomorrow. Um. You know, something to add, too, is, is like, how quickly this can ha- ha- change. New Hopkins was basically the Michael Thomas in fantasy preseason of last year. Like, it was, it was DeAndre Hopkins is the consensus number one wide receiver for fantasy rankings, period. And then Devontae Adams had a couple people, i.e. myself, uh, who put actually him at number one, drafted DeAndre instead of Nuke, and, or drafted a – Adams instead of Nuke and of course got burned but um then of course now we've, he falls potentially out of the top five for people because of the new system laws. now again we're not we're not hating the player we're hating the situation as we always say here Nuke is the fucking man and in year two of this offense and if they get going he's probably top three again next year after the season if everything clicks but because of the new transition because of everybody else around him in rankings I think he is going to fall just a little bit. So I agree with you there. Okay, cool. Um, let's jump into uh, really quickly. Let's talk about the Rams. I know uh, you love Robert Woods. I do as well. I love Cooper Cup. Uh, he's one of my favorite wide receivers in the league in general. They have the number 29 schedule during the fantasy playoffs. I don't like that at all. They've got 26th overall. Um, they have three top 10 matchups over the first seven weeks. So this is a situation – I'm going to get into the fantasy playoff schedules here after this. Um, but this is a situation where I might look to – if there's other positions, if I'm neck and neck with like Robert Woods and somebody else, right, in my rankings, um, I might look to draft somebody else that are going to get me to, a, you know, a better position over the next – you know, maybe like – let's see if I can pull one up here real just quickly. Um I don't know if this would be adequate as far as rankings go, but let's just say um, Thielen and Robert Woods go somewhere close in drafts. I'm not a huge Thielen fan. I know that you're coming around on him. I want you to convince me of it during rankings tomorrow and figure this out. But for me, if I'm neck and neck, maybe I go Thielen, draft him, because I know he's going to be a beast while he's healthy, but I don't trust his health. 
older, he can fade down the stretch, blah, blah, blah. I take Thielen for six, seven weeks, and he crushes. I think Robert Woods might struggle with that schedule, and we'll see if he's number one or if Cups is number one. And then maybe come week six or seven, Woods is struggling, and Thielen's at his peak. I might look to flip a, a pair like that, you know what I'm saying, where I'm looking at maybe Cup, uh, Woods down the stretch and Thielen might fade off kind of a thing. So just a rough example. I didn't really premeditate that, but just an idea of something where I am a little bit worried about these guys off the block, but if they struggle, you might be able to buy these guys lower than you would you were to have drafted them originally. So let's talk about Woods and Cup really quick at 26th schedule overall and 29th during the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, so I I don't want to – like, I, I'm not going to say schedule-proof, but I think the roles that they are projected to play makes them – they're going to – they were, like, second or third in, like, team pass attempts last year. Well, Cup's possibly manning down the slot. I know we touched on it with the whole Von Jefferson or Van Jefferson – situation there but I think that cup man man's down the slot and Woods is now his role last year and Brandon Cook's role like they, they didn't fill Brandon Cook's role meaning Woods who is basically the secondary deep threat is now going to be that so I think just on volume alone I don't think I'm going to be moving them down necessarily I might like one or two spots but I think that I mean I, I just think that they're so safe this year in fantasy with the way this offense isn't changing really they're literally the only two receivers. Like, I know Reynolds has the, the connection or whatever, but Reynolds isn't going to come in and take work from Woods or Cup. And this defense is bad. Like, they, they had the worst um, net change from defense last year to this year. So they're going <laughs> to yeah. be throwing the ball a lot. So I think that they're, I wouldn't worry about them too much. Um, that being said, this situation with another team, maybe you would not, not another, like a team maybe with less safe receivers um like like the dolphins maybe i know they're gonna throw the ball a lot but maybe the quarterback switch hurts um players and stuff like that so i think that this situation alone i think it's fine but others do be cautious of the whole the feeling sort of comp you gave or example you gave cool and uh we can jump right into and i'm gonna skip over your broncos just for a second just to get into the point of like maybe a, a questionable receiver core uh houston texans 23 overall um now What's interesting about Houston, and this is a good segue into the playoffs here, but they have the 23rd projected schedule overall, which obviously is, you know, below the, the middle of the pack, but they have the sixth best during the fantasy playoffs. So this is a prime example of like, I'm, you know, maybe fading some of these receivers, but if they struggle a little bit and stay healthy, i.e., you know, fuller, uh, then I might be able to buy them for the cheap down the stretch, uh, just like Deshaun Watson we mentioned during the quarterback episode where the Texans straight up, we went over the schedules last time, the, 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 the Texans straight up could be like 0-4, 0-5, just with who they play and, and what's mm-hmm. going to happen. If that's the case and everybody's struggling, you might be able to buy those players, those skill players, who we know Deshaun Watson's great. David Johnson could be too. Nuke, uh, or sorry, Duke Johnson is free anyway. And those receivers are awesome boomer bus plays. You might get all of them for free come week seven. Um, if they're all struggling and they do have a top, you know, top six schedule coming into the playoffs. So again, some like long-term mentalities of passing on them in the draft intentionally because of their schedule, but then keeping them on your radar, knowing that they might struggle and not be sexy, but then coming around on them in week five, six, seven, eight, when, when trades are really starting to pick up in your league and earmarking and being like, look, you know, uh, Will Fuller was drafted as the 20th receiver He's the 31st right now, but he's healthy. Dude, he might fucking come around and, and be top 10 the rest of the season kind of a thing. So just a thought there. Um, 
comment quick on the on the Texans, and then your quick thoughts on your Broncos. Obviously, uh, totally retooled and, and nice and nice and shiny new toy there in Denver. But like, do you believe the hype with the twenty fourth ranked schedule overall and one of the toughest schedules overall in the first five weeks? Again, they could seriously struggle out of the gate. Yeah, I think the Texans are – they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, their defense is bad. Same sort of comp to the Rams a little bit. I think that really with the Texans, you're just going to be taking dart throws as to maybe this draft you take Fuller, maybe this one you take Cooks, maybe this one you take Cobbs to see who has any fantasy value. Um, so take that with what you will. Obviously, this could be – like I, I think Fuller is matchup proof just the way he's used. Cooks, if they use him right – kind of is mini fuller and Cobb plays the slot or should play the slot and just be a target hog so we'll see so I think they're okay just to take some dart throws on and the Broncos yeah they have a tough like overall win total strength of schedule which means a projected negative game scripts so if you're buying into the Pat Shermer offense yeah I don't really think it matters too much um Sutton's kind of just a touchdown guy anyways or just a big play guy and then Judy is projected to be sort of the, the alpha target hog you could say so I think it if you want to buy into it, go for it. I wouldn't let the schedule sort of phase you out of that because if if you're buying into two receivers that are going to be in a pass-happy offense, obviously you're buying into the, the pass attempts, which lead to fantasy points. I'm not too worried about it. Okay, fair enough. All right, man, let's uh, switch gears a little bit here. So we'll go from the worst schedules again, 32 to 23, really quick to recap. This is overall projected for the entire season. Worst schedules, Buffalo Bills, 32, dead last. After that, going up. The Cardinals at 31, Dolphins at 30, Jets at 29, Bengals at 28, 27, Patriots 26, Rams 25, Washington Redskins, and then the uh, 24 Broncos, 23rd uh, strength of schedule, the Houston Texas for the entire season. Let's switch gears here and talk and preview the playoffs a little bit. Again, the previous two weeks and maybe next week, we talked about the first four weeks specifically because with running backs, guys get hurt, you draft, you might be able to flip and trade. And obviously dynasty is a whole nother question, but for redraft and quarterbacks, maybe you're streaming. We talked about Daniel Jones, right? Daniel Jones is somebody that I don't think Lucas and I are going to be having any shares of on draft day, other than a, a deeper league and redraft dynasty. Again, totally different conversation, but a redraft probably not going to be drafting any Daniel Jones unless he just falls and falls and falls and he's the 15th round. And I'll just take a flyer on him to have him on my roster. But he is somebody that I might be picking up later on in the season if the schedule gets a little bit better down the stretch, right? Sean Watson, we just mentioned, terrible schedule to start the season. He could be struggling big time, but turning it around, you buy him on the cheaper. I can't imagine he gets dropped. But last year, Aaron Rodgers was on waivers. Jameis Winston was on waivers because of what happened. Philip Rivers over the years, Ben, Big Ben, Drew Brees even, I've seen on the waivers over the last couple of years because they have a two, three-week stretch and people can't afford to keep them on their roster. John Watson has a shitty first four weeks and he ends up on waivers. He's a full fab buy, in my opinion, yeah. uh, if you don't have another quarterback because I think he can really turn it around for you. So something to be aware of. So let's dial it up a little bit. We'll go back to the best schedules. We're going to preview the best fantasy playoff schedules for you and let you know how Lucas and I kind of feel about some of these teams. Also something I learned a lot from, and I, I kind of went in and I dug a little bit deeper. I'll give you the list of best and worst fantasy schedules overall, um, but also fantasy playoff schedules, I should say. Also, though, I did a little bit of extra research, and I looked at teams who have overall a good fantasy schedule, but is their playoff schedule that good, those particular weeks, and vice versa. Do they have a rough overall schedule during the season, but their playoff schedule uh, maybe looks a little more juicy, so we'll go into that. 
I also want to preface this, that per this conversation, we're always talking full PPR, unless we say otherwise. Also, the fantasy playoffs here on the TCK podcast until the league changes um, is week 14, 15, and 16. So if you're new to, to fantasy football or you're a commissioner for the first time in your league, please reach out to us and let us, uh, let us help you out with those, those responsibilities. Um, but if it's your first time maybe or you've been dealing with leagues who have had a week 17 championship, we highly recommend that you do week 1 through 13 as your regular season. Then you do week 14, 15, and 16 as your playoffs. Week 16 of the NFL season should be your NFL or your fantasy championship league. And then week 17, if you want to keep playing, maybe that's DFS stuff uh, that you can get into before the playoffs. So highly recommend that. For this conversation, we're talking week 14, 15, and 16, specifically those three weeks as uh, a bundle. All right, man. Let's dive into it. So the, the best fantasy playoff schedules projected, again, per pro football focus, is the Chargers at number one. They play the second, third, and fourth best matchups of the fantasy football playoffs. They have top five matchups in all three weeks. The Falcons, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Love that for the Chargers down the stretch. Next up, second, we have Carolina, fourth, 19th, and first in the championship. The San Francisco 49ers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number four. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, uh, the Houston Texans is number six. Philadelphia Eagles, number seven. Bears at eight. Steelers at nine. Seattle Seahawks at 10. We'll get into the worst here in just a little bit. Lucas, let's hone in for the best fantasy playoff schedules, weeks 14 through 16. What jumps off the page here for you on what teams we're looking at? Again, we have some serious wide receiver firepower on this list, one through 10. The Chargers, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for sure. Um, the Chiefs, uh, depending on how the Eagles stay healthy, uh, we're looking at Juju and Deontay at number nine. Seattle even with uh, DK Metcalf and um, Tyler Lockett at 10. How are we looking to hear with the best fantasy schedules? And are we just kind of talking to talk here? Does this actually matter for you when you draft? Or is this more of a like wait and see and then a trade piece later on in the season? Yeah, I think there's a couple of different ways you can take it. So I'll, I'll just start off with the Chargers. So the way you can take this is obviously this is weeks 14, 15, 16. Um, if Tyrod is still the quarterback, say week 10, or say week 14, that means they're in contention, right? They're going to be in contention for a playoff spot. So to me, that indicates the team is clicking. So maybe you can buy into that. That's where Keenan Allen, you would think, would be going off. If, if Tyrod is in still by week, I don't know when they're biased. Let's just say they're biased week six. If Tyrod is still in by week seven, that means the team is doing good. That means they're going to keep riding Tyrod. They're going to keep riding McTeam and they keep winning. And then once they lose, Herbert's in. Herbert could also supply – fantasy wide receivers we don't know so I think it kind of brings up good points to maybe you just take Keenan Allen and ride it out or maybe if Herbert switches to come in team people are going to be con concerned that a rookie quarterback is the is the 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 starter for the Chargers and maybe you buy in and go get Keenan Allen or Mike Williams for the playoffs because it's an easy schedule so I think that's a different way you could look at it um the Panthers I mean I'm just going to keep saying it they're going to have to score points to win in this division so just buy into it. I, I love Teddy and redraft and DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, I guess. I'm just concerned how they're going to use him um, and Curtis Samuel. They kind of play similar, similar roles. So nothing too worried about there. Uh, the Buccaneers is also a great one, too, because if we all are buying into to Tampa Brady, as gross as that is to say, they're going to be – these are going to be some big games for them in terms of playoff run. Um, the Saints, the Falcons, 
will all be competing for the division, I imagine. So they're going to be looking to look, throw lights out, um, keep it coming on them. Um, and the Bears and Steelers are kind of in that same boat as the Chargers, I think. They're teams that I think that can hit that seven, uh, I guess that four or that five, six, seven seed this year. So it'll be interesting to see that what it plays out. But I think the main thing is you can use sort of really the new playoff system of the seven teams with the three wild cards to the advantage. People might not, might not be thinking about that in the back of their head. Um, they might see that a team's in eighth place in the, in the division and be like, okay, nothing of it. But you could look at it and see that, okay, say Tyrod's playing. They have a shot to hit the, the seven seed. Maybe I go buy Keenan on for the fantasy playoffs and you ride the two, three, and four easiest schedule as of now for a receiver that has been a top 10 receiver for the last three, four years. I think that's a great call. Uh, first of all, the Chargers have a bye week in week 10. And that's a perfect – that's a perfect yeah, – uh, Even better. Uh, barometer. Even better. So you get 10 weeks of Tyrod Taylor if he's healthy. And then if the Chargers are 5-5 five and five or worse, it's Herbert's season for sure. Uh, but if they're, you know, 7-3 and three in week 10, there's no reason to, to flop out for, for Herbert if Tyrod's healthy. So I'm with you there. Um, Carolina, yeah, definitely coming around on Robbie Anderson a little bit. I don't – I just – our good brother Curly, um, who you know was one of the original uh, original hosts here on the on the podcast a couple of years ago, um, you know he's actually been he's been DMing me, uh, Lucas, on the side hustle, always giving you props because you're the only person repping fucking Teddy B, and I just can't quite do it yet. Um, and the biggest thing is like <clears throat> Robbie Anderson, I, I'm coming around on him a little bit uh, because I'm starting to realize that he was actually coached. Uh, by Matt Rule at Temple, which is helpful, right? Those relationships are always big time. So I like that quite a bit. And I don't know, there's just certain relationships. When, when teams go out and get a guy out of free agency, it's not always just a matter of like, eh, he's the best player available, we could use him. Like, there's a reason that Cam Newton is not on a team yet, but Nick Foles and Teddy Bridgewater were pick- and Jameis Winston were picked up before Cam Newton, who in a bubble, I think anybody would have any of the uh, – Cam Newton over all those guys, but he doesn't fit the system, the personality, the something else of those particular teams. That's why they went out and got their guy. So I think that matters. And Robbie Anderson, I'm starting to realize that he might be their guy in, in Carolina. Now, do I expect him to catch, you know, 12 fucking 50 yard bombs a game? Absolutely not. I think he's a Sean Jackson. Um, and DJ Moore is the guy there. However, I do think he has more value than I was giving him credit for. And with the second best playoff schedule, Robbie Anderson is somebody that people are going to be fading big time, me included, but they have the third best overall in Carolina and the second best in the playoffs. So if Robbie Anderson's floating around, you know, a high-end wide receiver three in week 10, you might be able to wrap him into a trade package, pick him up for the playoffs, and if DJ Moore goes down or Curtis Samuel doesn't pan out again or whatever, or he and, uh, he and Teddy get some deep bombs going, uh, Robbie Anderson could really, really add some huge upside to your weeks down in the playoffs. And we did know last year when Sam got uh, healthy, Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson started putting up like three of the last four weeks or somewhere over a hundred yards. So that would be a huge on our team, obviously. A couple other ones here. Um, uh, again, something to note is that the Houston Texans, again, have the 23rd uh, overall season schedule for fantasy, but they have the sixth best during the playoffs. Okay. They play the eighth best matchup, the 10 uh, and the 10th best matchup during the fantasy playoffs. So those are, just again, things to kind of understand while you're while you're preparing for your draft. So, to compare apples to apples a little bit with the best overall schedules and the best fantasy schedules, I've highlighted the teams who have a top ten overall season schedule, and they 
also have a top 10 fantasy playoff schedule because not all teams who have a top 10 fantasy schedule have a top team, top 10 overall schedule and not all top 10 teams have a top uh, fantasy schedule. But the teams that have a top 10 overall schedule for wide receivers and a top 10 uh, fantasy playoff schedules are in no particular order, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, the Bears, and the Steelers. So those are teams that you can target early in your drafts with favorable and that should last you, assuming the talent and the injury is clean throughout the season, and then might even benefit you even more so during the actual playoff season. Some teams that are kind of neutral in that top 10 bunch, uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Saints, but of course you're drafting Thomas and Adams anyway, the Cowboys and the Vikings, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Seattle Seahawks are top 10 in one or the other, but not top 10 in both. I just think that's important. One team to mention, this is going to segue us into the worst fantasy playoffs uh, schedules for the wide receivers. One team to mention, the Detroit Lions have an interesting schedule this year. They have the number two overall schedule for fantasy wide receivers, but they're number 26 during the fantasy playoffs specifically. So number two overall, but during the fantasy playoffs specifically, they play the 19th, the 20th, and the 26th fantasy matchup projected as of now going into the season. Of course, a lot of this can change, but that is something to potentially fade down the stretch. So Lucas, let's change gears here. Let's jump into the worst fantasy schedules. I'm going to run down the list and I'll turn it over to you. Worst fantasy uh, matchups here. We're going to talk about those Rams again. 32nd, dead last in the fantasy weeks 14, 15, and 16. The Rams, 31st, 23rd, and 27th ranked matchups. The Jets, 27, 25, and 24. The Falcons, 28, 26, and 18. Washington Redskins, Buffalo Bills at 28. Cincinnati Bengals at 27. I mentioned the Lions at 26. New England Patriots at 25. Cleveland Browns at 24. And Jacksonville Jaguars, 23. Just like the best matchups, to what jumps off the page here for the worst matchups, uh, specifically talking about weeks 14, 15, and 16, where you're going to need them the most. Yeah, I mean, the Rams were the first one. Like I said, I don't think it matters too much. I think passing volume and the limited um, receivers in a good way, uh, they're going to get a lot of value. volume, won't hurt anything. The Jets, I mean, if they keep popping up on here, what makes you want to draft them? Like Crowder might be the only one I draft. Like, everyone's hyping up Crowder like he's, like, some undervalued asset. Like, yeah, because he just catches a lot of passes. But but in that part of the draft where you're going to get him in, like, the 7th to 10th round, you don't need to be drafting safe floor anyways. Just risk it for upside. So, yes, he's an undervalued asset, but he's undervalued for a reason because there's so many target hogs that are on better teams. The Falcons, I mean, I'm just going to throw that one out. They're going to have to score points. So, if you're buying into them, don't, don't let a schedule of numbers just throw you away from that. Uh, the Redskins, which I don't, remember, I don't remember if we mentioned it on the worst. Um, so Terry McLaurin, I think, is interesting. I love him in Dynasty, but I think the love's getting out of hand in redraft. I think that people are – like, I mentioned the whole, like, pocket of sophomore receivers. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Chark's not, but he is in terms of when he, when he broke out. Uh, Gallup's not a sophomore, but kind of when he broke out. I think there's a good – chunk where you can really manipulate the ADP and sort of find a lot of value and I think I love Terry uh, in terms of dynasty this like I said but I think like he showed off last year in like four games and the rest of his games suck so I, I know he can do it but I don't want you to buy into it too much because I mean who knows is the quarterback going to be Kyle Allen Dwayne Haskins their O-line is still they literally did not draft a single alignment and got rid of Trent Williams actually sorry Sadiq Charles in like the sixth round 
doesn't really matter. The defense is great. The front seven's great. The corners are awful. So it's just going to be, I think, a landmine of really what's going to happen. I know Rivera is a good coach, and he might be able to do a lot of things with McLaurin, but they also have like seven running backs in the backfield, so I don't really know what's going to happen. So I'm not saying fade McLaurin, but I'm saying don't buy into the ADP rise because with him rising, DK Metcalf's falling, and they're literally going to put up the same stat line just like they did last year. So I think it's kind of an interesting player to analyze um, as of right now in May. Uh, Buffalo's on there again. You already heard my take. Cincinnati, uh, I think it is what it is right now. I don't know if there's much to evaluate. I think if you just got to make the decision if you want to risk the, the the new quarterback and sort of young offense. Um, Detroit, you mentioned, I think they're literally just another Rams. They're going to they're gonna be competing for the division. They throw the ball as it is. They have two non-workhorse running backs, which is a good thing, but it also it's a good thing for regular football, but it's also a good thing for the receivers. They get lots of volume. It's really good offense. The O-line's fine, so I don't really know if the schedule matters too much. Um, and the Patriots are on there again. I mean, just take Edelman. Don't, don't think Brady's going to hurt Edelman. You'll see where I have him ranked tomorrow. It's, I might be a little high on him, but I'll, I'll give my full explanation tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I think really um, McLaurin and the Jets are really the only one. I think McLaurin's the big one. I didn't really realize how bad his schedule was um, just in general, but I think now that I kind of baked in the ADP to the schedule analysis and really – um, I, I guess another note is when people look at – I think the ADPs, you can take – you can look at ADPs and realistically say in your head how much better or what stat line can you put up compared to last year. So I think people make rankings fine, but they don't really like take into consideration the final stat line that they're going to put up compared to the other guys. They can say that this guy has a lot of upside, but what does that upside mean compared to X player or something like that? So I think it's just another, another way to look at ADP and how you can evaluate uh, schedules and wide receivers in general. I agree. As far as Terry goes, <clears throat> Terry McLaurin, he only has five top 10 wide receiver matchups on the entire season. That's out of 16 games. Not good. Obviously I'm worried about Jameis or uh, I always call him Jameis because he reminds me of Jameis, uh, but Dwayne Haskins, right. Uh, assuming he's the guy, Kyle Allen is there too, with like whatever. And uh, you know, again, I think that Ron Rivera is going to have that young team running the ball a lot. So Terry, I'm also going to fade there. Um, Joe Burrow, you know, We'll see what he can do. I love the Bengals moving forward. Uh, I think I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, I think, probably this year because they're still going to be bad. And that way, by next year, when they go 500 and the year after that, when they make the playoffs, I can be ahead of it. So I think I'm going to jump on this year, okay. eat it. Kind of like the Browns. You know what I'm saying? I, I jumped on the Browns last year. Yeah, a little different. A rough season. Back on this year, another rough season. But after that, it's going to be, you know, Bengals and Browns all day. Um, I am concerned about the Bengals overall. I love me some AJ Green. I'm trying not to like super fucking hate him like everybody else says. Love T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd, I'm fading a little bit just because I think the hype is too high when AJ Green comes back. Um, and John Ross just is unreliable. But I do think that like this overall offense, which is exciting on paper, but similar to the Cardinals, who we mentioned in the previous segment with the 31st, um, they're kind of high flying, up and coming, young quarterback, young coach, young receivers, all the shit season veteran, all this. The Cardinals are 31. The Bengals are 28 overall. The Bengals are 27th in the playoffs. So I'm not going to be fading all Bengals. I just think that, like, Joe Mixon is that offense right now with all those other weapons. So I'd rather just put my eggs in that basket. Personally, they also have a rough division. They place the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers secondaries twice each. So that's six games where they're facing arguably a top six secondary six different times. So I don't like that very much. 
either. And as I mentioned, the uh, Lions two overall, but 26th um, for the uh, for the playoffs there. So, all right, man, we have kind of broken down the the best overall, the worst overall, the best in the playoffs, the worst in the playoffs. Some teams, again, I'm going to highlight quickly uh, the worst overall and then the worst in the playoffs and then make some matches. But I want to kind of wrap this episode up with your overall thoughts on maybe how important a wide receiver schedule is overall, knowing what we know. Guys like, guys like Terry McLaurin have now popped off the page of like, oh, shit. I was kind of feeling him off of a big good rookie season, but now I look at the schedule. Now I don't know about Dwayne Haskins, blah, 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 new coaching. Eh. And then I'm like, oh, man, I love Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, but their playoff schedule is like 26th. I'm not excited about that. The Rams, whatever. Like, we love the Rams, but their schedules are bottom 10 in both, both sections. Like, how do you overall feel? I'll give you a couple of minutes to collect your thoughts on it. I went through, again, just like I did on the best uh, – schedules overall and for the playoffs I did it for the worst as well and this is really when I like compare apples to apples here's where I actually get my my like knowledge when I break this down on the spreadsheets so teams who have a bottom 10 overall schedule and a bottom 10 overall um, playoff schedule week 14 15 and 16 that's the Buffalo Bills the New York Jets Cincinnati Bengals uh, New England Patriots LA Rams and the Washington Redskins the kind of the only positive light on this side is again, the Houston Texans have the 23rd um, worst schedule overall, but they do have the sixth best in the playoffs. So the lions and the Texans are the only teams that have a good start and a bad finish or a, or a bad finish and a good start. Everybody else is pretty wash. The other teams in a neutral uh, script, if you will, the Cardinals, the uh, dolphins, the Broncos, the Falcons, Browns and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of neutral there. So, Lucas, again, uh, how do you feel about the wide receiver schedules overall and what takeaways now do you get when you're drafting um, wide receivers, uh, taking their consideration overall through the season and specifically for the playoffs? Yeah, I think to kind of give like a final how I would evaluate it. So, one, negative game script, but to an extent not too outlandish negative game script. Um, like I said, the matchups, which are on PFF, which is a paid platform, uh, if you want a discount of that, you'll need to buy into our packages because um, I will have that, so I will translate that information. Uh, not, not directly copyright, but in a way to where it's usable without just random numbers. Uh, air yards, the same exact thing. That does matter. Uh, air yards allowed by defense. Air yards allowed by the player. Um, it's another thing that we'll have on the in-season packages. And then the last thing is really – when it comes to negative game script, the other competition in that, that skill position group, you could say. So like I said, the Rams, their schedule is terrible. The O-line's okay. But the pass attempts and the lack of um, – I guess there's a lot of vacated targets and a lack of people to fill those vacated targets. So I think it's kind of another way to evaluate um, the wide receivers. But I think if to narrow it down to the big two, which I think people realized last year, it's just the, the individual matchup in the air yard that I think are king – to evaluating that's that's where I found guys like Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Zach Pascal, uh, Mike Evans in boom games. Obviously, you're going to start him every game, but the games when he played against the really bad matchups of the air yards is where he kind of had the 45 point game. So I think those are my my big two. Um, you can buy the packages yourself, or you can you can get our in season package, which should be out July 6th, with more information as to what that exactly is um, will be entailed uh, in the next month or so. Absolutely. Love it, man. Right on. Well, let's get out of here. That is the wide receiver 
fantasy breakdown for the schedules. Again, tomorrow we'll get into our first set of rankings on the season officially. And then on uh, Thursday, we'll break down a zero RB PPR fantasy mock draft as well to give you an idea of what it looks like when you go wide receiver for the first three rounds minimum, maybe four, maybe five. We'll see what actually happens with that draft breakdown. Make sure to keep tuning into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Appreciate all your support so far. I have started getting some uh, DMs. And people are starting to reach out to us on multiple platforms about, A, the TCK Pod Listener League. We have some returners from last year starting to reach out to us, asking questions about, you know, how we're going to do that league. Lucas and I are still kind of grinding on that. We will get you information as soon as possible. He and I have a bunch of different thoughts. We're trying to make it fun, trying to make it different. Um, And we will be disclosing that to you as soon as possible. What I can tell you is that registrations – for the league and submission applications will open up coming up in July. So make sure to stay tuned for that and more information. And as Lucas mentioned, coming up around the corner next month, now that we're already in June, next month we're going to be dropping our first draft guide officially. And uh, there's a lot of draft guides out there, and we understand that all of them bring different sets of value. What Lucas and I do behind the scenes, a lot of you appreciate the collection of data, how we go so deep analytically. We can take you behind the scenes on how we actually collect this data, where we get it from, how we interpret it, and things like air yards and a dot are something that Luke is prides all a lot of his research on. But like, why? What does that actually mean? Where do the numbers come from? How do you actually turn that into your rankings? How do you turn that into drafting a player or staying away? That's the kind of stuff you can find in our draft guide. We're going to be dropping in July, so please make sure to stay tuned over the next week or two. We're going to be dropping pre-orders for that, so you can make sure to wrap it up. There And that also may or may not have to do with your uh, early submission automatically to the TCK Pod Listener League. We've got a lot of things in the pipeline, folks. Appreciate you sticking with us. We know that, uh, you know, the world is, is um, a, a, a tough place right now, and we're hoping to provide some value and uh, provide, you know, some light within the darkness. So we appreciate you tuning into us, and uh, make sure that you subscribe here to the channel so you don't miss any new videos coming up throughout the summer. Make sure you leave a comment on the schedules through players we might have changed your mind on better for worse also follow us on instagram at fantasy football underscore tck pod on twitter at tck underscore pod join our facebook group the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast page <clears throat> of course you can listen to us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast leave us a rate and review there and check out our rankings which are going live position by position as we cover them on our website more articles available more information coming up on our website make sure you get that information while you still can tckpod.com tckpod.com a lot of information we appreciate y'all so much thank you very much for tuning in to the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast with lucas caser i'm sky guasco and we are out of here thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.